Welcome to Leading with Heart, your go-to resource for how to find happiness, peace, and true success amidst the high demands of military life. I'm Christina Madison, your host, coach, and personal cheerleader, as we learn to take excellent care of ourselves, lead with heart, and together change the narrative around wellness in the military. In this episode, I'm setting the stage for three powerful and important conversations that I've gotten to have with three incredible leaders within our military community over the next several weeks. These interviews are going to talk about important topics like authentic leadership, vulnerability, and imposter syndrome. So today I'm talking about what these terms mean, how we can pursue them in our regular self-care and personal development practices, and how authenticity and vulnerability make better leaders and more heart-centered leaders. So let's dive in. So I think we can agree that military leadership has certainly evolved over the years. We're no longer in the days of General Patton, where it was okay to slap your soldier and call him a yellow-bellied coward for having PTSD. These days, there's a growing recognition that we need more leaders who bring their authentic and heart-centered selves to the table. We're leaving behind the days of stoicism, no emotions, my way or the highway, this is how it is, suck it up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And instead, we're learning how to build relationships with people and pursuing authenticity and vulnerability in leadership that creates an environment of psychological safety and trust. Right now, our military is facing some of the most complex challenges that it has ever faced, and we're living in a landscape that demands adaptability and diverse perspectives. And so authenticity and bringing your whole self to your leadership is a key ingredient for your success. Let's talk about why the military needs leaders like you to embrace their unique qualities and experiences rather than conform and try to fit in to an old model of leadership. Before we can lead others effectively, we first have to know and understand ourselves. And I think this self-awareness part is something that we tend to skip because we're so busy that we don't spend a lot of time in self-reflection and self-exploration. Introspection is an incredibly important tool, but most of us just simply don't believe that we have time for it. But taking the time to sit down, to ask questions, to get curious about yourself, to work with a therapist, counselor, or coach, and build your self-awareness, that's a critical component of authentic leadership. Because for so long, if you're like me and you grew up as a woman in the military, you believed that you had to look a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, behave a certain way. And that conditioning may have gone back even further into your childhood where women are often taught that they should be calm, sweet, kind, meek, and, you know, be seen and not heard or, you know, just take care of Take care of others and, and make sure that you're always got a smile on your face. And if you grew up with that kind of conditioning or you received that kind of conditioning as a young woman, then today it might feel really hard to be bold, 
to set boundaries, to be assertive, and to not insert phrases like, I think, or just, or maybe, or if it's okay with you, and instead say exactly what we mean and mean what we say. So what this may lead to is us kind of losing ourselves, losing our identity, and trying to make ourselves fit in to what's, quote, acceptable in military leadership, and leaving pieces of us behind or suppressing aspects of ourselves that we think won't be popular or accepted with others. And so when we talk about your identity and self-awareness, that also means like really understanding and seeing and accepting who you are, whether you are someone who is nerdy and loves video games and Lord of the Rings, or you're someone who is assertive and maybe a little bit brash and you have strong words and opinions, or maybe you're someone that feels emotions deeply and you cry at the Sarah McLaughlin commercials and you cry in a meeting where someone makes you upset and angry. All of these are aspects of our authentic, unique selves, but sometimes we feel like we have to put those parts of ourselves away. And that's not to say that sometimes it's not appropriate for us to act or behave in a certain way, but I don't believe that we need to sterilize our personalities in order to make other people more comfortable. I believe that we should be able to show up If you're bubbly and outgoing, or if you're shy and introverted, you should be able to show up as yourself and not be ashamed of who you are on the inside. Before you can lead others effectively, you've got to understand yourself, understand how you tick, how you operate, what are your motivators, what are you afraid of. I love the Enneagram for for exploration like this to figure out What are my core drivers and what are my core fears that drive a lot of my behaviors, thoughts, and decision-making? Making time for self-awareness and introspection is a critical part of authentic leadership, and taking that time for personal reflection is vital for any leader that wants to bring their whole selves to the job and not have to hide and, and armor up to protect those other parts of themselves. So I just finished reading the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And while I'm reading this book that was published back in 1989, I was shocked at the parallels and commonalities between this book and what I'm teaching today on this podcast to my clients. It's pretty amazing how many connections I found between his seven habits and what I'm doing in my own work and community. So in this book, his second habit is begin with the end in mind. This means what he talks about in the book is that it's important to think about what you ultimately want to achieve within your life what you ultimately want to hold most dear. He actually has you, he leads you through this exercise where you imagine your funeral and what people in your family, your friends, what people that you worked with would say about you or what you would want them to say about you. 
And it's a little bit of a morbid and depressing exercise, but if you think about it, it's really important to consider how you want people to remember you at the end. And this is the gist of the habit is begin with the end in mind. So this means it's important for you to take intentional time to identify and understand your personal values, your character, and your principles for living. So he encourages you to sit down and write a personal mission statement. So if you had to sit down and and put into a phrase, a, a sentence or two, what your personal mission statement for your life would be, what would it say? What impact do you want to have on the people in your life, in your community? What do you want to be remembered for at the end? And that can really put things in perspective as far as what's important and what's not important and whether your actions and behaviors and habits and systems are aligned with this ultimate intention, what you want to be remembered for, versus if they're totally out to left field and pushing you out of alignment with what you ultimately want out of your life. So after you write your personal mission statement, Stephen asks readers to identify the roles and goals associated with that statement. He asks the question, which roles take priority in achieving my mission? The role of wife, mother, sister, friend, leader, neighbor. Consider what roles must take priority and which roles take more of a back seat in achieving your personal mission statement. And the next question he asks is, what goals must I set in order to fulfill my mission? Now, I like the way that this aligns with what I teach my clients when in my own work, my clients and I work together to craft an identity statement, very similar to this personal mission statement. In my work, your identity statement is an aspirational and personalized mantra that speaks to the person you desire to become. I'm going to share a few of my favorite examples with you from some of my recent clients. Number one, I am becoming a person who loves and cares for myself at all times and knows I'm enough. I'm becoming a person who trusts my decisions and listens to my internal wants my family's needs, and the world's callings. And I'm becoming a person who loves life's adventures and models a continuous and consistent growth and learning mindset and pursues a mindful life. Example number two, I'm becoming a woman who exudes calm and confidence. I value myself and I treat myself as a friend. I honor my commitments to myself. I savor the sweetness of each moment and adventure through being present and content. I love these identity statements because as I read them, I can really picture the exact person that I was working with when we crafted this statement. And then I get to reflect on the journey that they went through into becoming this person so that during our last session, I would ask them, can you take out the word becoming? Can it become, I am a person, I am a woman who exudes calm and confidence? 
So from there, we break their identity statement down into lines of effort, goals, and habits that help them progress sustainably towards that identity statement until they feel like they can truly take out the word becoming. And this is, I think, really similar to the exercise that Stephen Covey has readers go through in Seven Habits, where you identify your roles and your goals that align with your mission statement. So all of that to say, when you decide who you want to be and you decide how you want to show up, it's important to take time for reflection and introspection to look at, am I doing the things I need to do in order to become this person? Am I prioritizing the right priorities in order for me to become this leader? Am I spending time and prioritizing and and chasing after the right things that will ultimately help me be the leader I aspire to be, whether that's the leader of your home, a leader at work, a leader of your life, whatever that means, asking the questions, am I spending my time the right way? Am I paying attention to the right things? And am I pursuing growth in the right areas for me to become this person? Or am I off track? Do I need to make some changes? Do I need to build some skills in this area? Do I need to get out of my comfort zone in that area? And that can ultimately help you recognize the areas where you are maybe out of alignment or out of your authenticity, you're living outside of your values, and make the changes necessary in order to be that authentic self, in order for you to really like lean into who you are and who you aspire to become. Now, I want to make a quick note here that you can be working on yourself and still accept and love the person that you are today. Sometimes I think with personal growth, we have this idea of, well, I'll finally be happy when. I can be proud of myself when. I can love myself after I achieve X, Y, and Z. Or I I stop doing these things and start doing these things. Self-acceptance Compassion and patience are important as you navigate life's challenges, when you inevitably stumble and fail, and when you learn how to get back up and learn from it, when you're stretching outside of your comfort zone, but then retreat back into it, when you deal with fear and you navigate resistance, like that's all part of the journey. And you don't have to berate and criticize yourself along the way. You can still love and accept where you are right now and desire to change and improve and grow. So once you understand yourself and you have a deeper sense of self-awareness and you're more confident and grounded in your identity, then I think it's easier to start bringing more and more of your authentic self to your leadership. And I think this is really important because if we are to shift away, if we're to shift the the military culture away from power is king, then we must live out the paradigm that relationship building, cooperation, and trust, we've got to live those principles out in our actions not just in our words. And so in order to cultivate trust, connection, and true partnership, 
in order to get the people that we work with and work for us to be true, like, bought-in partners, we must bring our authentic selves to our roles as leaders. Because people can sense inauthenticity. People can sense when you're being fake or phony or you're trying to be something you're not. They're going to pick up on that, okay? We as humans, we can... We can sense that kind of stuff in others, and others can sense it in us. So if you want to truly bring yourself to your leadership and build those meaningful connections with others, then we've got to be willing to bring our authentic selves to our roles as leaders. The military doesn't need more of the, quote, standard stock. The military needs people who think differently who provide varied perspectives and bring their unique experiences and strengths. In other words, bringing your wonderful, weird, different, awkward, silly, nerdy, bubbly, or empathetic self to work. A homogenous think tank will fail when everybody thinks the same way and everybody is our yes men and yes women, but a beautifully diverse team has the opportunity to question, to get curious, to innovate, to reduce blind spots, and to think creatively. And we can't have those types of teams if you are suppressing all the things that make you special and unique and not bringing your full authentic self, your perspective, your experiences to the way that you show up. And so as we talk about diversity and we talk about, you know, expanding our teams and bringing diverse perspectives, that requires authenticity. And authenticity comes with vulnerability. Like those two go hand in hand. Authenticity is a part of vulnerability and vulnerability is a part of authenticity. And I think vulnerability is often misunderstood especially in our military culture where strength is traditionally associated with stoicism. Vulnerability and emotions have been viewed as, as weak, something that we need to check at the door in order to get the mission done. And today I want to challenge that notion. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's a pathway to meaningful connection during difficult experiences. A couple years ago, I read the book Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and this book completely turned my views of leadership upside down. It really upended how I viewed vulnerability, authenticity, and bringing my whole self to work, and it inspired a lot of the work that I do today with my clients. So in the book Dare to Lead, Brene Brown defines vulnerability as the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. About 50 pages into the book, Brene Brown shares the story of retired Colonel Dee Halfhill. While at an event, Colonel Halfhill discovered through asking courageous questions and leaning into tough conversation that people in the unit she was talking to were lonely. And rather than running away from the discomfort or armoring up to protect herself, Colonel Halfhill allowed herself to be vulnerable. She stayed with it, she leaned in, and she asked tough questions. And she was honest 
and authentic about the fact that she wasn't quite sure what to do with this information, and it scared her a little bit. This led to a candid conversation around building relationships, how airmen could reach out when they were feeling alone, and how to create a community of inclusion. And that moment of connection would have never been possible without the vulnerability of Colonel Halfhill and the other airmen in that room. Vulnerability is integral to authentic and wholehearted leadership because it fosters genuine connection, it builds trust, and it promotes open communication. Embracing vulnerability means being willing to show one's true self, aka your authentic self, including acknowledging weaknesses and uncertainty. This openness allows you as a leader to connect with others on a deeper level, creating an environment where your team members feel seen and feel heard. And if you've been doing any research into what today's workforce and what today's generation values above anything else, it's feeling seen and heard. And when airmen or members of the workforce don't feel seen and heard, that can lead to things like quiet quitting. So when leaders demonstrate vulnerability, it humanizes you and it makes you more relatable. And that in turn fosters a sense of trust and authenticity. This transparency encourages your team members to share their thoughts, to share their ideas and their concerns and their pains and hurts openly, leading to overall a more collaborative and supportive work culture. I mean, that's the kind of office that I want to work in, where people are honest, where people are not robots, where people are human, where people share what's challenging them and share what they're celebrating and share what hurts, but also what they're proud of and what's going well, where others come together to support someone who's in pain rather than pretending like they have it all together. That's the kind of place I want to work in. So overall, vulnerability is a key element in authentic leadership, and it enables you as a leader to create a positive and inclusive atmosphere where everyone feels valued and empowered and seen. So over the next few weeks, you're going to hear stories from some amazing women who have really embraced their authentic selves and leaned into vulnerability in their leadership. So you'll hear from Colonel Kelly Moon, who's going to share her experience and emotions after a loved one committed suicide and ultimately led to her saving an airman's life by leaving her light on. You'll also hear from Colonel Jen Saracino, who shares her story about how she got up in front of a room in front of 600 people, shared her story, shared her journey, and completely shifted the culture of her unit as a result. Vulnerability isn't easy. It's hard. It's counterculture. It's scary to open yourself up, to share who you truly are, and show your emotions and humanness. But it's also brave. It's meaningful. It's real. And it has the potential to significantly impact the lives of others. So stay tuned over the next few weeks. Hear the stories of the women that have so bravely gone out into their worlds and been authentic 
and left behind who they thought they should be and instead leaned into who they truly are and who they aspire to be. Hear these stories and think how you can apply the concepts, the principles, and the mindset shifts that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks and think about how you can make changes in your own life, in your own style of leadership, in your own thoughts and behaviors and actions to step into a more authentic and vulnerable version of yourself so that you can lead your life, so that you can lead your work center and lead your family wholeheartedly with your whole self rather than trying to hide or suppress or shut down other parts of you. I'm so excited to share the amazing stories of these women over the next few weeks. So if you aren't already following or subscribed to this podcast, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button after this so you know when these new episodes drop every Wednesday and you can listen to these amazing interviews and hear their stories. Thanks so much for being a listener to Leading with Heart. I can't wait to share the next few weeks with you and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Leading with Heart. To view all the show notes and any resources that I mentioned in today's episode, you can visit my website linked below. Before you go, I'd love to ask you for a quick favor. If you were listening to this episode today and you thought to yourself, wow, I'd really love to share this with my team or with, a, with my friends or maybe one friend or sister in arms in particular, then I'd like to ask you to actually share it with them. You can grab the link to this episode below and you're welcome to share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, or your LinkedIn, or you can just share it direct with someone that you think would benefit from the message today. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and a part of this community. And thank you for joining me today for this episode. I'll see you next time on Leading with Heart with Christina Madison. 